0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the Quantum Heart Cafe. I'm so sorry I've been away for so long. I, uh, I had some uh, kind of life stuff that got in the way and so I had to take a break from the show and now I'm starting to get back together. I uh, get my kind of affairs in order so I can have time to devote to the show. And I'm just going to do a, um, a a brief show today. I'm going to talk about I know in my previous show, before I interviewed Arthur Furstenberg, I uh, spoke about a book on dreams that I was going to do uh, a review on, and uh, I decided i just going to put that aside for now. And today I'm going to talk about a book that um, Allison McDowell often recommends and, uh, during her presentations. And if you don't know who Alice McDowell is, she's a researcher. Uh, she has a blog called uh, Wrenching the Gears and has, she's done a, a tremendous amount of work and research on the fourth industrial revolution, uh, especially with uh, topics like blockchain, um, social impact bonds, human capital market, and um, ultimately transhumanism which is where the fourth industrial revolution if you know if it's allowed to manifest um, where that leads to is transhumanism because ultimately uh, the powers that shouldn't be their whole goal is to uh, colonize and and conquest not just human beings uh, but all living beings uh, both the micro. And the macro and the cosmos, uh, they want to, you know, eventually reach the kind of stages. I mean, this is their thinking: the stages of intergalactic travel, intergalactic travel, so that they can control the galaxy and the galaxy systems. This is, I wish this was made up, but it's just that this is what they want. And Allison, and as well as a number of other. Uh, important researchers has has done an amazing job, just um, kind of shining a light on what's going on and doing the research. And while I I understand, I'm going to have a link to her blog uh, during the show, and I I understand that maybe uh, the research might be you know learning about blockchain and physics and uh, quantum. Uh, physics and cybernetics and so on might seem a bit daunting and these terms probably aren't familiar to a lot of people but I just encourage just to sit with it you know like you'll know, spend some time uh, maybe in the evenings or devote some time a couple times a week just to study and understand these things like it's important because you know researchers can only go so far they need us, the readers, to read and interpret and understand what they're talking about. And that, that's where I figured that with this cafe, you know, maybe it's kind of like a philosopher's cafe, but not really a philosopher's cafe, but it's kind of like a cafe that talks about what's going on in the in the world and how we can kind of um, find a loving and, and and peaceful way to navigate what's going on, and that's why I called it the quantum heart cafe um but in order to be able to navigate we have to understand the problem and what's going on and and allison has done a wonderful job kind of presenting what's what the problem is and um and so i just want to acknowledge that because i know it's you know this stuff may not be familiar to people and that's okay it's okay if it takes time to understand these things it's just it's important it's just important to to sit and read and understand, um, try your best to understand the material. And and don't be afraid to ask people questions and ask and do further research. Read books. Read the books I've been uh, sharing on my podcast. Read books from other resources. And uh, that's what I've been doing with this podcast because I love to read. And I figured maybe I can make a difference through sharing um, my thoughts on the books that I read. And, and coffee. <laughs> um, and one of the books that Allison often talks about is uh, Pagans in the Promised Land by Stephen Newcomb. And I read, I recently read that book, I finished reading that book about a week ago. And I can understand why uh, Allison uh, recommends this book because it was one of the It was a really important, and I feel was a very profound read for myself because, um, like, not just in terms of having a better understanding of um, kind of what's going on, but just a a very important historical context and a very important um, piece of work that helps to see that we are living under an empire and what that means and. Um, but before I go into the book, I do want to give a moment of gratitude um, and just to, to maybe pause and just to, to share some some gratitude. And I don't have any coffee tonight. I'm just, re- just kind of drinking some water. Earlier I did enjoy a, a decaf coffee. It was good. Um, and I just want to say that I'm, I'm grateful to have um, a roof over my head you know, loving family, and um, I'm grateful for the birds, and I love going out for walks and hearing them sing their songs and play their music, and I'm grateful for just having this wonderful connection with all these wonderful beings, and um, that's where I feel a personal responsibility to try and do my best to, you know, share what's going on, and um, you know, for their sake as well, because they don't they don't have a voice. They're, they're counting on us to kinda of speak up and say, Hey, you know, this transhumanist thing, this is not uh, maybe even trans species because they it's not just human beings that they want to turn into cyborgs, it's trees, birds, uh bees they talked about these like cyber bees (laughs) you know and it's just like well why not just save the regular bees you know like why do we need to have this synthetic garbage why don't we learn to take care of the mother nature and mother earth and be good stewards and be good relatives but anyway so I'm grateful for that and um, and I am grateful for Stephen Newcomb's book because uh, I'm, I won't go too, too, may not have a chance to go too deep into it tonight, um, but one of the key um, pieces of information that I want to share tonight in this podcast that really stood out to me as I was reading his book uh, was on uh, cognitive, um, what do you call it, cognitive, like, just the way our minds work and the way that the conqueror mindset, the, the empire uh, mindset works because in his book, uh, cause Stephen Newcomb is indigenous and he wrote a book about how, um, you know, he says, he calls it Christendom, which is different from, uh, which he tries to separate from like the, um, uh, you know, Uh, the worship of, I don't want to say worship, but just the spiritual practices where, you know, you're praying and and working with Jesus Christ and, um, you know, separating that, like, spiritual, the personal spiritual practices, you know, Christians have um, from Christendom, which is, like, the whole uh, politics and, uh, the, the whole politics and the whole, Structure, I'd, I'd say structure. Of, like, how Christianity became an institution. So Christendom, Christendom is kind of like the religious institution of Christianity, and and to and that's to be separated from uh, people's personal practices. So I just want to just bear that in mind as I'm sharing this book, and Stephen Newcomb also. Encourages the readers to bear that in mind as they're reading his work, and um, what he talks—the reason why he brings up Christendom—is because the framework and and the words and uh, phrases, certain words and phrases in the Bible, was utilized by Europeans to justify the doctrine of discovery. And conquest. And if you're not familiar with the doctrine of discovery, it's when uh, Europeans, like the Spanish, Portuguese, and then the British, when they came to Turtle Island, they just declared that Turtle Island was theirs because of the phrases and certain phrases and passages in the Bible that gave permission for. Christians, especially Christian monarchs with their divine, with the divine right of kings, to seize lands from the so-called, knight, say, air quote, heathens and uh, pagans and Indigenous people, because they weren't seen as human beings, they were just uh, seeing, or they weren't seen as fellow Christians. So it was okay to just take, take their land in the name of. The religion, and to take and seize their land uh, for Christians and for uh, Christendom for conquest for imperialism. Uh, didn't matter if there were other people already living on those lands. It didn't matter if there were indigenous nations who have uh, been living on the land for you know thousands and thousands of years, living in harmony and peaceful, um, and and respect for the land, it didn't, none of those things matter, um, because of divine, the divine right of kings, and because of, uh, Christendom, you know, the Europeans at that time just came and took it, and Stephen Newcomb also uses cognitive science and cognitive, uh, psychology to, I think it's cognitive psychology, to share the mindset, share or to light, put a spotlight on the conqueror mindset. You, through the use of cognitive psychology and uh, schemas and it's schemas and cognitive uh, psychology is kind of how it talks about the mindset and the perspective people have. And it, a lot of it's also related to, relates to anatomy and um, I mean, when I mean anatomy, like like bodies, and and human human bodily processes, um, an example that col- or Stephen Newcomb gives in the book is the uh, colony. Like colony is very similar to col- uh, colon, which is our uh, I think it, the colon is our uh, large intestine in our body, and uh, which is used in the digestive tract or as part of the digestive system so that when, and part of elimination, so when we eat, you know, the the nutrients that we don't need goes through our colon and, you know, gets excreted out into, you know, as waste, and so colon and colony have that relationship because colonization and uh, conquest has this metaphor where the, constantly needs to where this thing constantly needs to eat like it constantly needs to grow and expand and and grow and expand into new lands into new territories for to further um you know have to tie further Christendom and it can't just stop and it can't just be satisfied with what it has it keeps going it keeps growing like this idea of never ending expansion and and growth and constantly. So you kind of, at least I got the image when I was reading his book of uh, the machine of the predatory energy, constantly having to look for new lands and and I guess in the case of uh, capitalism, which relates to the predatory machine, is that it constantly needs to eat, needs new markets to eat, needs new profits, needs new needs energy, like in the I get at the root of it. They need energy. He needs energy to feed, so it needs to eat all the time, and you know that's where the relationship of eating, and and, and bodies and uh, human functions, or human processes are are linked to cognitive, and mental, cognitive and mental processes. And uh, one of the one of the ones that really stood out, uh, kind of the the schema or mental processing that I commonly saw in the book, and now I kind of uh, I'm on the look out for it in my own life, especially because I am someone of European descent. And on a on a personal note, I have been learning more about my ancestry because uh, a little while ago I participated in a Indigenous allyship workshop. And uh, the the person who was um, was hosting the workshop, you know, she told us that you know if you want to be really good allies for Indigenous people, then we should reconnect with our ancestors and, and learn what it means to be an ancestor because for Indigenous people, ancestry is really important, and so if you want to show up as allies, then Reconnecting to our ancestors and understanding where we came from is really important. And I know that can be kind of a challenge uh, for Europeans, especially, you know, we there's a lot of, um, you know, dis- there's a lot of immigration and a lot of movement and a lot of conflict that has happened in Europe where it's not always easy to trace our own family's lineage. Um, so, I, you know, I understand that. But the reason why I say that is because learning about my ancestry like I've been learning about colonization and empire and so being able to recognize these schemas is also helping me on a personal note just kind of be aware of blinders that I have on because of just how I grew up in this society and <coughs> excuse me and how I was raised and and Kind of how I learned my stuff from these uh, public schools, and one of the schemas, and I'll I'll share just maybe one or two schemas because there's quite a bit of information in the book, and I highly encourage people to read Pagan in the Promised Land because it was really it's a great book, Um, and uh, and I'm also going to explain how those schemas and how what I learned in Pagans in the Promised Land how that relates to the fourth industrial uh, revolution and then uh but right now the one of the schemas that kind of came to my mind or really stuck into my mind was the is the container schema where you know we place a container like kind of like um the borders on a map when uh turtle island was drawn by or i the current map of turtle island like you see all the um the countries and provinces and states like that make up those borders that make up the containers of those geological areas even though they're just like you can't physically see them but in a way a map is an example of a container because it contains within it the borders and an, and an understanding of or at least the a perception of these borders and where these the border crossings are, where you know you you can't where you have to you know maybe you can't cross a certain border or you know if you want to travel from one place to the other, you have to go through all these uh, areas and then there's also you know rules for the areas contained within the uh, container and so on. And so the container schema is something that is often used by Empire. To create a dome, to create like this per, this a perception of ownership of an area or ownership of a colony or ownership of something and it comes underneath the dome. It comes underneath the container. and you know this book has been encouraging me to think about certain words too. you know like you' in the resistance movement, you know, you often hear words about uh freedom and and sovereignty and um and all these sorts of domains, like the domains and so on. So you hear these words, especially freedom. Freedom's a big one. And and this has been something that's been um giving me pause for reflection for the last little while, is that the the free dome it's a dome, it's a container, right? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be, have the right to self-determination, but it's just that word gets thrown around a lot. And it's free dome within, but freedom is with, is free movement, but within a container. (laughs) It's free movement, but within a geographical area. And so long as you are following the rules of, the the people who created this so called container. So as long as you follow those rules, those rights, if I guess, then you you know, you can move around unobstructed inside the dome. But as soon as you don't adhere to those rules or you call those rules into question, then your freedom of move your freedom of movement is it's um, it's constricted. And that's what happened when the Europeans came here. They used the, the Christendom and they used the Bible as a means to justify the doctrine of discovery, which was the, the so-called discovery of the new world. And as soon as the Europeans saw it, it was theirs and they took it. Even though there is other people living on here for thousands of years, they just, they took it because of the the certain passages in the Bible, which the book talks about, gave justification for the Europeans to take it, for Columbus and, you know, many other people to just take it, even though there were people living here and it didn't, you know, this it wasn't meant that wasn't meant to happen, you know, they just took it and and then the use of Christendom and they continued and even then like they still used Christendom and the Bible to justify taking it, to justify the doctrine of discovery, and then to create a body of law around it, especially a body of law uh, in the u s it's Indian affairs. I live in what's currently called Canada. We have a very similar, uh, I think it's the Ministry of Indian Affairs up here. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not always the best with names. Uh, but they created a body of law, especially Indian Affairs, to justify not only to justify the theft of the, you know, or to justify pushing independent. Uh, indigenous nations off their land as well as genocide because genocide did happen and especially in the states the military was used you know if uh, indigenous nations didn't want to go they used the military and, and violence and mass murder to to get the land to get what the, the resources uh, in Canada it was different it was more economic with the fur trade and I think that is a show I'll, I'll do uh, a little further down the road. So yes, there was a cultural genocide up here too. It's just, it was a bit different because we didn't have the military the same military might as the United States. so it's slightly different, but the same same thing still happened. Like the, the land was taken in the name of the queen in the name of you know Christendom. And then this body of law was built around that to justify taking that, taking the land, and to justify co- the continued um, occupation and the continued, um, I guess, the continued theft of the land, for better the, for lack of a better word, and and those laws are continually used to uh, police and control. The movements of Indigenous people, uh, both in the states and in up here in what is currently called Canada. So, but they're not based on anything legitimate. They're based on uh, Christendom, and they're based on Bible verses. And that's the name. That's pretty. That is one of the foundations of, um, or one of the important aspects of Stephen Newcomb's book. Uh, pagans in the promised land but then also showing how our mental processes and and cognitive thinking is what shaped that perspective that that christendom uh, perspective that empire has and one of the the schemas again is the container schema and then there's another uh, a very important schema where it's it's kind of like um I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's a dominator submissive type schema where you know there are certain words that are associated with empire with Christendom that makes empire and Christendom sound uh, superior to indigenous uh, nations. and And some of those words are uh, dominate above, up um dominate up above and and some of the words that or progress is another one and expansion and so on. So it's these words that are meant to put Christendom and empire above indigenous people so that indigenous people have this like view of looking up. At empire and looking up at the this body of empire that that's like devouring the land and devouring uh trying to devour indigenous nations, but they're meant to look up and and revere them as being better as being a way to be uh, saved because the of the mission, the missionaries were involved in this too uh, and then uh, indigenous people have words such as uh obstacle. As um, part of me, but as uh, savage, not not calling on a savage. Just these are words actively attributed to Indigenous people, heathens, pagans. Uh, they're below. They're below Christian. Not they're below Christendom. They're below. They're they're uncivilized. They're dirty. They're you know all these awful, horrible words are used to. Uh, diminish and take away indigenous people's uh, beings and, and their their culture and and to justify uh, the conquest and to justify empire and and colonization of indigenous nations and that was that was a really big eye-opener for me because it's just Just with my own language and hearing language and hearing, especially language around like freedom, language around sovereignty. Sovereignty is another one of those words where, you know, it sounds like a really good thing, but it actually comes out, it does come out of the empire cognitive mindset of having reign over someone or reign over an area. So, sovereign like so you're reigning over. It's like having a monarch, or have, having oligarchs reigning over um, a group of people. And so, it was to sovereignty. Maybe it's the self determination, or being independent nations. Uh, and and it had me thinking about like when I hear sovereignty or when because I've used those words too, like sovereignty and freedom. And then when I hear myself say it. When I hear, you know, people talk about in terms of resistance or when I hear about these things now, I think about how these words really um, are connected and, and have energetic ties with conquest, with the empire, with the predatory, um, aggregor predatory energy. And, and because it is an energy, and that's why I think it's I found Stephen Newcomb's book important because he he's his book it kind of addresses the system itself it addresses empire it addresses uh the predatory energy i mean he doesn't say predatory energy but he he addresses the cognitive and mental processes that are involved in empire that are behind all this and i really do strongly believe now like i'm coming to the point of understanding that this is a systemic problem like it's not it's not just one thing it's this whole terrain like i think it's even called terrain theory um but even that is like the energy behind the terrain because you know if we were to take all these guys that are causing problems like the powers that shouldn't be you know you know who they are like the you know the the jeff bezos of the world and the the gates and all these guys. If you were to take all of them and you know put them on the spaceship and send them flying off to the other side of the Milky Way, never to come back. One way, one one way ticket. You know, don't come back. You know, don't let the horror, the door hit you on the way out. The system still remains. The energy behind the system still remains. So eventually, you just have a new crop. Of Bezos and Gateses and all these guys like pop up again, and so I'm just thinking like, okay, so it's not just individuals. These individuals are like figureheads. They're, they're they're just there to represent the system itself, but they can be replaced by anyone. You know, like Klaus Schwab, he can be replaced by any person, and and they would fill it in. You know, and they would continue going with it or continue with the agenda. Same thing with Gates, same thing with all these guys. They could be replaced tomorrow, but the system will just put someone else there. And so it's the system itself. It's a system of domination, it's a system of empire that's existed for a long time. Like, it isn't just, it didn't just start when the Europeans got to Turtle Island. Like, it's it goes all the way back to the Roman Empire and even before that. And I really appreciate, that's why I really appreciate uh, Stephen Newcomb's book because, you know, he says the same thing but from an indigenous perspective and I think that's really important. You know, I'm also coming to the conclusion that it's really important to take, to learn from and understand different perspectives, like indigenous perspectives, uh, pan-African perspectives, because then I feel like there's a whole. It's like a holistic knowledge, a holistic knowing of, or learning of the world and how. The world is connected, and and how you know European thinking is very different from indigenous, and uh, African thinking, and that's okay, and but there's a lot of stuff in European thinking that's problem that's that's pretty problematic, and so you know some of, as. Uh, someone with European ancestry, like I kind of look at European uh, worldviews now from learning for, about indigenous and Pan African worldviews, and and being like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe some of these worldviews are pretty outdated, and maybe we can change that, because uh, these world part of these worldviews and and our perceptions and our cognitive, our cognitive processes and mental processes are. Part of the what's causing all this, dis, you know, it's or is part of what's feeding the predatory energy, and if we start to change that, I think that maybe that's one of the ways we can uh, go away from this predatory energy and figure out something else. Because um, I don't think there's any, I really don't think there's any uh, reconciling with this predatory system I think the system itself is parasitic and broken and it's it doesn't it's anti-human it's anti-life there's no saving it I, but I also understand that a lot of people ha- are vested in it you know, there's a lot of people that um, still support this system so I, I know it's complicated but I think that by at least talking about the problem we could kind of figure out a different way, a different solution and and I, f- I feel like um, Stephen Newcomb's book has provided a really great starting place at least for me to explore that and to explore the system itself and to see if there's ways to you know figure something else out you know ways to maybe create new stories, new cognitive processes and perspectives that. You know we don't have to keep carrying this these predatory this predator or colonization or conquest mi- mindset and we could find something else but it's just being aware of it um, so with that being said I highly recommend reading Stephen Newcomb's book it was a wonderful book and I learned a lot from it and I think for uh, next week what I'm going to do is I, I did pick up a a book, um, a copy of Alana Freeland's um, Geoengineered Transhumanism, How the Environment Has Been Weaponized by Chemicals, Electromagnetism, and Nanotechnology for Synthetic Biology. And it's a big book. It's a pretty hefty book. I'm about 100 pages into it so far, so there's a lot more. So I may have to uh, break the book up into sections in order to, I don't know if I'll be able to read the whole book by next week, um, but I'm going to start talking about that because it kind of goes with terrain theory and with understanding that, uh, you know, we're the dome that's being placed around us and how the predatory mindset, the empire is evolving is not hasn't gone away, it's just changing it to it's like Empire five it's going digital. Uh with blockchain. It's going digital with uh you know with the, trying to roll out these tokens, like crypto tokens and stuff like that. So that's where Allison's work comes in as well. Um so I'm gonna talk about uh geoengineering and I'm gonna talk about you know, I'll probably still reference uh Stephen Newcomb's book because um, you know, that is one thing that I, I forgot to mention, um, and I'll, I will we'll mention it, uh, in another show, but just how, uh, the dome, those cognitive, uh, schemas are now being used to help create, or try to help create the fourth industrial revolution. Um, the idea of chains, blockchain, you know, just shackling people, uh the whole language of domain a domain name, uh the metaverse, all these things, like all these words, they sound they might sound benign, but they are a part of the conquest European um uh, cognitive processes. And I think if we can recognize the cognitive processes and recognize this language as a language of domination then we could figure out our own language of, of of love and compassion, and respect and and, and independent interdependence with one another. Um, so anyway, so that all being said, I I really hope you all enjoyed tonight's show, and I will do more, uh, put more effort into creating uh, regular weekly shows. You know, maybe I'll if there's time. If time permits, I'll do more than just one weekly show, but for now, I'm just glad to be getting back into doing my show and and putting these together. And so next week, again, once again, I'm going to talking, going to be talking about that uh, geoengineering. So thank you all so much for coming and stopping by the cafe. I hope you have everyone has a wonderful evening and and week and weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, bye bye.